0: we all inherently strive for a sense of steadiness rather than a feeling that life is happening to us, which is very unsettling. That's why today I want to talk to you about three scientific studies that will show you the power of the mind and how what goes on in your head can actually directly affect not only you, but your physical body, those around you, and the actual world that we live in. The Happy Healthy Human podcast
1: will help you build your happy, healthy life. Your host, Paul Levitin, is a board-licensed health and wellness coach, nutrition coach, personal trainer, and behavior change specialist with over 10 years of experience helping people create positive life change. Each week, he discusses topics that will help you understand yourself, why you do the things you do, and how to take steps to create the life of your dreams. He talks with experts from therapists to addictions counselors, coaches, trainers, CEOs, financial planners, and more. If you've ever wondered how can you become the best, happiest, healthiest version of yourself, you've come to the right place.
0: Every week I come on this show and talk about controlling your life, controlling your mindset, controlling your decisions, controlling what happens to you. I think that That is the key to a happy life. It's a feeling of control. I've said this many times on the show. It's about being in the driver's seat rather than the passenger seat of life. Because we all inherently strive for a sense of steadiness rather than a feeling that life is happening to us, which is very unsettling. So I talk a lot about controlling your mindset, controlling your mental space, because that is what we have the most control and sway over. My fear, however, is that with all the emphasis on what's going on in your head, behind your ears, that it all seems very theoretical. Like, you know, it's positivity and gratitude and all that good stuff, but that's all just feelings. None of that is tangible. None of it is changing the actual physical world that you live in. That's why today I wanna talk to you about three scientific studies that will show you the power of the mind and how what goes on in your head can actually directly affect not only you, but your physical body, those around you, and the actual world that we live in. So the first study is a famous study done by researchers at Harvard in 2009 on hotel maids. Researchers wanted to understand if our mindset and beliefs could affect results from our physical activity and exercise so the question was does belief in the efficacy of an exercise routine change how much result we actually get out of that routine and to answer that question researchers wanted to find a group that was already largely physically active but did not consider themselves to be active and i'll explain why in a second so And looking for these people, people who exercise in the gym who are physically active or people who would run, they were automatically excluded because those people have a very specific mindset around exercise and why they do it. They have beliefs about exercise and they they know that they're exercising a lot. Researchers again needed to find people who were being active but without actually realizing it. And they found the perfect participants in a particular profession, hotel mates because as it turns out, hotel maids are very active and have very active jobs. They're on their feet for basically an entire eight to 10 hour shift, they're walking up and down halls, they're changing sheets, they're picking things up, they're cleaning, and they're just moving in general for pretty much the whole time. You know, it's not running marathons or competing in the CrossFit games, but the hotel maids tend to be way more active than the average American say someone who sits at a desk all day or drives for Uber. So researchers interviewed the maids before starting the experiment and they asked them about their exercise habits. And most of the maids said the same thing. They said that they didn't do exercise, that they worked, but they didn't have an exercise routine. They didn't actually consider what they were doing to be exercise. They just considered it work. And that was the key that the researchers were looking for. So researchers split the maids into two groups, an experiment group and a control group. And both groups were weighed and measured for a whole bunch of different metrics of physical health. They took blood work, they did body fat and muscle ratios. And for the experimental group, what researchers did was educate them around the fact that much of what they were already doing was actually considered exercise. Researchers explained that the amount of steps that they were getting, their heart rate being elevated while they were working, the strenuous activities were all well above the Surgeon General's recommendation for daily movement for Americans. They explained to them how many calories that they would be burning doing what they're doing in their day-to-day activities at work. And the reality was that even though they were working, they were actually being quite active and getting a good amount of physical exercise. And that was the experiment group the control group got no such explanation. And that was it. There was no further intervention. It was simply half of the group was educated on the fact that they were literally already exercising and the other half was not told anything. And then researchers left them alone. They let them go about their jobs as normal and returned a few months later. And they measured physical attributes, again, the same thing they had measured in the beginning, weight, blood pressure, body composition, and what they found was astonishing. The maids who were in the informed experiment group, the group that had been told that what they were doing was exercise, improved in every area across the board. The uninformed group, the control, saw none of the same benefits or improvements. So I'll repeat that again. A group of maids doing the same exact work they had already been doing for years, in the same conditions, Half of them saw improvements in weight, body composition, blood pressure, and other areas. And half of them did not. And the half that did, it was simply from being informed that the work that they were already doing was indeed actually exercise. They didn't change anything about their activity. They didn't add a workout routine in. They didn't change the way they were eating. All the benefits they saw, again, stemmed from what they had already been doing for months if not years but simply changing what they thought about that activity and then again on the other hand the control group again did the same amount of work they did the same amount of work they had been doing for years and the same amount of work that the experiment group was doing they had they did all the exact same stuff but they saw no such results and the question is how can this be well it points the power of the mind because your brain controls everything and as this study shows your mindset literally can determine the physical results in your body but people hear this and the obvious question is like how does that work is that even possible understand that this doesn't just mean that you can believe something and it will happen you can't just think yourself thin you can't just think yourself strong What this shows, though, is that the physical and mental are not two separate entities. We often think of it as the mind and the body, but what we see is that it's much more of a mind-body combo, and both are intertwined in ways that we frankly don't quite fully understand. The researcher who conducted this study, her name was Ellen Langer, again out of Harvard, she theorized that part of what was going on was akin to the placebo effect. And the placebo effect is one of the most well-known and well-researched phenomenon in all of science because we all know what the placebo effect is. It's well-known, again, that people can be given a pill that's just a sugar pill, but if they were told that the pill is a real medicine and that it will have an effect, in many instances, those people's bodies will react as if they took an actual medicine. That's the placebo effect. They've even gone as far as to demonstrate that things like the color or the size of the pill can affect people's perception of the medicine and then thus affect how much result they get from it. So if that can be true, if we can get medical results from sugar pills, why would it be that our minds could not have influence over the amount of potential benefit we do or don't get from exercise? It makes complete sense. And this is just one piece of the puzzle, because when we're talking about how the mind has power over the body and the results we get when it comes to health, wellness, fitness, then this next study might even be more interesting to you. For this next study, researchers wanted to understand how people's expectations around food and quote unquote, healthiness affected their body's reactions to that food, their body's chemical hormonal reactions. So they designed a simple study. They brought in two groups of participants into a lab and they gave them a milkshake. One group got a high calorie milkshake that was described to participants as, quote, decadent and heavy, and they were told that it was about a little over 600 calories, around 650, the decadent and heavy shake. Then the second group was given a lower-calorie shake that was described as, quote, healthy and diet-friendly, and they were told that that shake was less than 150 calories. Participants had their blood markers measured both before and after the shake to see how their bodies reacted to ingesting the shake. The group that had ingested the, quote, decadent shake was seen in the blood test to have a steep decrease in the hormone ghrelin. Ghrelin is a hormone that's known as the hunger hormone. It is the hormone that literally signals our body to be hungry and keep eating. It's the hormone, its job is to be produced when we haven't eaten in a while, and it tells us to eat. And that means that when ghrelin decreases, our hunger subsides. So then it makes sense that the people who had that higher-calorie, more decadent shake would see a decrease in ghrelin since the higher-calorie, more decadent shake is more filling. Our body senses that and hunger goes down. The study participants who drank the lower-calorie shake did not see the same decrease in ghrelin and they often reported increase in hunger levels after the fact. So now, to take this one step further, the researchers had the participants switch because they wanted to make sure that this wasn't just a fluke or it wasn't just because the way someone's body reacted and and that was what was causing this so what participants i mean what researchers did was they sent the participants home and they had them come back a week later and they repeated the experiment under the exact opposite conditions meaning whichever shake they got the first time they got the opposite shake this time So people who got the decadent shake the first time, they got the healthy shake the second time and vice versa. And again, they took blood before they had the shake and after, and the results were about the same. The second time, those who had gotten the low calorie quote healthy shake last time and had seen an increased hunger that time, this time they got the higher calorie decadent shake and many of them saw decreased ghrelin and decreased hunger Decrease ghrelin in their blood, decrease hunger. Um, and they also reported feeling more fullness, right? So they felt fuller, they had less hunger. And again, same thing in the opposite direction. The people who had felt more uh, full last time, but then this time got the healthier shake, felt less full. All pretty straightforward, right? That is until you hear the twist. And the twist is that there was only one shake. All participants at all times were drinking the exact same shake. They were drinking a standard milkshake around 300 calories, meaning it was right in between the quote-unquote high decadent calorie shake and the quote-unquote low healthy calorie shake that they had been told that they were getting. That means that This same exact shake was producing a decrease in ghrelin in some participants when they thought it was high-calorie and leaving other participants feeling more hungry when they thought it was low-calorie. And then even more astonishing than that is that the trick literally worked on the same people. Because remember, this is not just reported feelings of hunger. Researchers literally took blood and watched what happens to their hormone levels in their blood. This is beyond the control of the conscious mind. But people who had the quote-unquote decadent shake the first time and saw their ghrelin go down had the healthy shake the second time and didn't see that same decrease even though it was the exact same shake. So again, how can this be? You know, uh, This was a, a big deal in the diet and scientific community. And before this, a lot of people would have said that this is impossible because thinking about something differently does not change the way that our body reacts to it, except that apparently it does. And again, this is the placebo effect at work. This is the power of expectation. This is the power of your brain. So it makes more sense when you understand how expectation works in your brain. So much of what your brain does on a daily basis is based on expectation of future results. People talk a lot these days about dopamine and how The modern world has created this addiction-fueled landscape of dopamine with cell phones and social media and yada, 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 and a lot of people understand dopamine to be a hormone of happiness. right? I I get dopamine. I feel good. You get it after sex. You get it after your post gets 100 likes, but in reality, dopamine is a hormone of expectation. Say you do something for the first time. Say you're a little kid and you go and play basketball. turns out your very first time on the court, turns out you're pretty naturally gifted. And first day, you're eight years old, nine years old, you take a shot and you make a three-pointer. Your parents, they cheer on the sideline. Everyone cheers. They all tell you how good that is. Your brain likes this and produces dopamine. And your body feels good. Your brain likes that feeling. And that is a signal that tells your body that what just happened is a good thing. So you enjoy that feeling. And your brain gets the that it would like to repeat that. So now the next time when your parents say, hey, Timmy, it's basketball day today, your brain secretes dopamine already in expectation. Not because you actually made a shot, not because anyone's actually cheering for you, but because of the expectation of what is coming next based on your past experiences. And this is how habits are created. Same way your mouth salivates just from thinking about Ben and Jerry's or how you get a little rush of adrenaline when you plan to text your bestie some hot gossip even if you've never actually pressed send yet. And we can think that if it works that way with dopamine and adrenaline, why wouldn't it work the exact same way for our hunger hormones? And that is what this milkshake study is showing. And that's why the power of the human mind is not to be overlooked. You know, it, it really, it, this is just so true, no matter what you're looking to change, you have to start with your mindset. Because if it wasn't clear already from those first two studies, this last one is one of the most fascinating studies that will help you change the way you look at not just yourself, but your mindset around others. Okay, so researchers wanted to understand how, again, expectations, how expectations that teachers had of students could possibly affect their grades. So in the beginning of the school year, teachers were given a list of their new students along with how those students had performed the previous year on those state aptitude tests. And they were instructed not to allow the test results that they saw to sway the way they treated these individual students. And they just continue the school year as normal, which of course they agreed to, you know that's what they should do anyway. And researchers tracked the students all year round. And what they found was that at the end of the year, the students who the teachers had been informed had higher grades at the beginning of the year tended to be the students who finished the year better. They had better grades, they had better behavior, they were closer to the top of the class. And similarly, at the end of the year, those students who at the beginning of the year teachers had seen had lower standardized test scores from years previous tended to have worse grades, worse behavior and be closer to the bottom of the pack. Now again, here's where things get interesting, because the researchers were playing a trick. Which, if you see anything here, you see a pattern that if you're going into a research study with scientists, watch out, because they're going to be tricky. But the trick is that the test histories given to the teachers at the beginning of the year weren't real. They were completely random meaning some of the students who teachers thought were high achievers were really low scorers, and some of the students they thought scored low were actually high achievers. But now fast forward to the end of the year, and the students' real grades and real performance matched up to the perceived fake performance that researchers had planted on the teachers, meaning some of the low scorers in real life had become high achievers and vice versa. And remember, the teachers were specifically instructed not to and would never in good conscience actually treat any of these students differently based on their test scores. I mean, no good teacher would. So then how do you account for those differences at the end of the year? And the answer has been come to know, be known as the Pygmalion effect. Pygmalion, named after the Greek myth of Pygmalion, who was a sculptor who was so infatuated with the beautiful sculpture that he created that he actually willed it to life. So the Pygmalion effect is when someone's belief and expectations in someone or something else actually sway that person or that thing or the outcome of the event. So in this particular instance, it was the fact that the teachers believed certain students to be more or less smart or capable, and that actually influenced their real world test scores, performance, and results in school. But again, the teachers did not do this outright. They were not trying to hurt certain students or build up certain students over others. In reality, this all came from their subconscious bias. These teachers might not have meant to treat the students differently, but no matter what, these things still happen without our conscious awareness. So simply by believing in some of the students more, those students ended up doing better in the class. And this is again highlighting the power of the mind and expectations. The first two studies show how our expectations can dictate actual physical changes in our bodies. Belief about what constitutes as exercise changed the physical results that the hotel maids saw in their bodies. Belief about the caloric value of the milkshakes changed the literal hormonal response inside of the body in those participants. And the third study shows how our belief in others can affect them as well. This is the power of the human mind. It literally shapes our reality. And I've talked about this a lot on this show in previous episodes from the viewpoint of, again, mindset and our perceived reality. If you choose to see something as positive or negative, then that decision will shape how you feel about that thing. Neither one is right or wrong. Neither is true. It's simply what you feel, what you decide. You get caught in traffic, you get cut off in traffic, that person can be an asshole, or they can be in a rush to see their kids, and you can feel bad for them. If you can get sick, it can be a disaster because you have so much on your plate and you don't have time to slow down, or you can see it as a blessing and a forced slowdown. You can allow yourself to be grateful for the times where you were healthy. And when you fail to reach your intended goal of staying off social media this week, you can see it as yourself being a failure, or you can take it as a learning experience and set up better parameters for the next time. In all of those examples, the actual situation does not change. Simply how we see it does. The thing is, though, how you see it change how the thing affects you. So it does make a difference. The studies I highlighted here today, though, they show that our beliefs are even more powerful than that. They can go beyond changing your feelings or perceptions and actually change the physical reality of the situation that you are in. And that is why this stuff is so important. This is why this deep work, the inner work, the mental stuff, the stuff that I'm here talking to you about week after week after week cannot be overlooked. Your mindset affects your life. It affects your health, your body. That's been shown in these examples from the hotel maid and the milkshake study. Your mindset also affects the lives of those around you. And that's shown in that study about those teachers on the Pygmalion effect. So if you're a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a boss, or anything else, this is not to be taken lightly. Your thoughts affect others, and that means it's your responsibility to be in control of your thoughts. If not for you, then for them. So what can we do with this information? We can take a few action steps from each of the three studies. From the Hotel Maid study, we see that our perspective on what constitutes exercise makes a difference. So if you walk to work every day, remember that that's exercise. Remember that every bit counts. So many people in my years as a personal trainer would downplay their efforts, saying, you know, I only did 20 minutes, or I barely broke a sweat. But we can see from this study that that mindset could literally be hindering your progress. Instead, remember that every step counts, literally and figuratively. Don't discount your efforts, because a little bit adds up to a lot. From the milkshake study, we can see that our perception about the healthfulness of foods can affect our actual body and our actual physiological response to that food. Could this be why then when you're on a diet you always feel hungry? Because you're always saying that you're eating diet food, you feel like you're eating rabbit food, you feel like you're never eating that real filling food that you really want? So maybe, based on this study, if you're trying to lose weight, you can choose to believe that the food you're eating is decadent and filling and rich. And because of that you might feel much fuller afterwards and that might make your weight loss pursuits that much easier. And the last study of the teachers and their subconscious influence over their students shows that it's imperative for you to keep a positive mindset not only about yourself but about others. Belief in your children or your co-workers or your employees' abilities will undoubtedly affect those people. Not just figuratively, but literally. It's been said, you know, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. But based on this study, I think we can say if you think they can or you think they can't. You're right. So next time we talk about doing mindset work, doing the inner work, taking control over your thoughts, remember, this is not just theoretical. This is affecting every aspect of your life, from those around you to your literal physical body. So this stuff is not to be overlooked, and it can't be more important than that.
1: That's all for this week. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show so you don't miss a beat. And we'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. Support the show by sending this episode to a friend or leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Until next week, stay happy, stay healthy.